I think the perfect thing is it's about consistency, not perfection. Mm -hmm. So just show up. Mm -hmm. It hurts. It sucks. Like when you're first getting back into the gym, if you haven't been working out, but do it, give the best you have. If you don't feel good that that day, like just do the best you can. It Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't have to be PRs all the time. That's what I'm realizing now. Like I want to stay healthy. I want to feel good. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Invictus Mindset Podcast. Today, I've got a close personal friend. We are hanging out up here at Torrance Training Lab in LA with a USC baller turned CrossFitter, a two-times CrossFit Games athlete, and an all-around amazing human, Jamie Hagia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to connect with you and unpack your story a little bit. Like, I'm a fanboy coming up (laughs) that just like, first and foremost... It's so rad that you played real sports and transitioned into CrossFit, right? Like how many friends do you and I have that, you know, we're former gymnasts that like when we talk about like basketball or football or things that are all over ESPN, they're like, wait, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, for sure. My teammate Chelsea. Chelsea (laughs) doesn't know anything about basketball. It's it's, great. It's so funny. So I look forward to kind of chatting about that a little bit, the bubble and, uh, you know, all the off-season trades. Hopefully, hopefully the Lakers a little bit. That's and, why I love um, you so much because you're a basketball guy. Oh, there's there's not a ton of basketball. There's really not. There's really so if not. you're out there, you know, hit us up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Especially like it's hard to survive in CrossFit being a tall tall person. Oh, but see, I'm a short basketball person. <laughs> you easy. You guys are you guys are a little bit taller. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, like I that know. worm eats us alive. <laughs> <laughs> you make our job easier because I don't. It's not on me. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are yeah, doing yeah, all the work. Not, it, 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 it's tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, one of the things that I love, and we chatted a little bit about this before the show, is just you are unapologetically yourself, right? Like you you do such a great job sharing emotional vulnerability via your Instagram, via, you know, YouTube, via all the different cool things that you've done throughout your life. And you do all those things because it's you. You're, You're not doing it for a following. You're not doing it as a facade. You're doing it because... That's you. And, and my curiosity is wanting to peel back those layers a little bit and get to know where that came from and, cool. you know, what your upbringing was. And, you know, let, let's go ahead and start there. Like, where did you grow up and how did you find your way into, you know, athletics? Yeah. So I was actually born in Berkeley. So I'm technically a NorCal girl by heart. But then okay. when I was three months, we moved down here to SoCal. <laughs> and I grew up in Gardena and Redonda Beach. And so kind of spent my childhood down here in Southern California. I am Japanese American. So that's a huge part of our like culture and, and just kind of our upbringing. Um, my dad is a pastor. Yeah. So we grew up in church and different sports and, and um, specifically, I'm not sure like how much you know about like Japanese American history here. Not a lot. Yeah. So, so my grandpa, I'm fourth and fifth generation on my mom's side, but my grandparents were like born and raised here in LA and, and during World War II, obviously they sent them any Japanese American to internment camps. And so while they had to pack up two bags, leave all their homes, their businesses, school, drop out of everything they had. And they, my grandpa, they put him in the Santa Anita horse stables wow. while they were, they were building these camps. My and gosh. so from LA, t- shipped off to Arkansas. He went to Rower in Arkansas. My grandma went to Heart Mountain in Wyoming. Once they, the war was done and they were able to make their way back to California or to, you know, where they started, I think that's a big part of why 
Japanese American basketball and these different leagues, you know, and they kind of got together kind of just to, for camaraderie and, you know, they understood each other. And, and so I grew up actually playing in these Japanese American leagues when wow. I was four. And so that's kind of how it started. And I, and that's, I love that's basketball. That's so cool to me. Like, I, I, that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I learned something new yeah. about every person that I interview. And like, I had no idea, you know, that was part of your upbringing. That's oh, yeah. Cool. And, and I think that's part of like, we'll dive into the, but like why they're my inspiration because they never complain. Ever. Mm-hmm. I've never. My grandma's 91. My grandpa's 94 now, and they still live in Hanging L.A. On strong. Wow. Yeah, I know. Really, really cool. And, and it's cool. Their memory's still sharp, so they remember things about camp and, and coming back and just, you know, different what stories. What is it about their health and lifestyle? They're still <laughs> strong and mentally sharp at 91 and 94. I got to get on their secrets. I know. I know. Uh, my grandpa loves sports, so he, like, obviously um, was, like, so proud and grew up taking me to all my, you know, club basketball practices and yeah. whatever else we had. So they are very involved they've been amazing and just like that's what always keeps me humbled you know is yeah, that i'm they sure the storytelling in your household growing up and just like instilling that baseline level of resilience was like a key factor yeah totally totally so um so yeah that's kind of like why i started playing in these japanese american leagues um for basketball and, how old and were softball. you when you started playing oh four Wow. So all this started when you were four years old. And what, you know, you talked a little bit about your grandparents. What kind of role did your parents kind of play in that? Yeah. So interesting because my dad's a pastor. So every Sunday, like it's just, you know, everyone has different stories. Like most kids that are preacher's kids are always in church, you know. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, oh, my mom, Janie, and the three kids, there's my older sister, younger brother. We were always gone playing sports and my mom was taking us to these things so we weren't really in church a lot oh wow uh, but, <laughs> yeah but so but I, I think because I've always seen him like grow up in our community and, and serving the community and he's always been about helping other people that's been a big influence in my life my I mean, mom I can feel that just walking into the gym here and like you know how you guys have pivoted during the COVID nineteen pandemic. The space looks beautiful. Oh, the, thank you. Y- you can feel the the sense of community that you guys provide here, and that's very cool that he instilled those values in you. Yeah, I think to- that's where I definitely got it from. My mom was at our high school. Um, she worked at her high school, so oh, cool. in the attendance office, and then the librarian. So oh, nice. Yeah, so she was really involved, and then um, yeah, I just started playing. Like I played all different kinds of sports growing up, and then um, what think- other ones did you play? Oh, I golfed, I played tennis, I played a little, like, volleyball later. But, yeah, I think having a good mix of everything, gymnastics when I was yeah. a little kid. I, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head there where it's like you really see it in the sport of CrossFit, the people that played or had exposure to lots of variety within their sports growing up are typically the ones that excel. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see the, the up-and-coming, you know, young athlete Haley Adams. Oh, she's She amazing. played everything yeah. growing yeah. up. You know, I, I think it's a very interesting piece because I know when I got to high school, that uh, around that time, people were really like, no, 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 we need to specialize, right? Yeah. We need to prepare you to try to get this college scholarship yep. or whatever life expectations, you know, they place on you. But in reality, it's like, we should play. We should have exposure to lots of different things. And in, in reality, that's going to make you better at your sport yeah. and less like you know, inclined to get overuse injuries or to get psychological burnout. And then you get, right. you know, new relationships as well, which is, you know, always a part of the puzzle. And I think it's cool, like the older you get, like to be able to have a wider, you know, array of things that you like to do and, and different groups that you can go pick up. Like I just got into pickleball. Nice. Oh, You're going to have to tell me man. about that. I don't know what oh. pickleball is. Okay. Okay. It's my new aspiration. Like Guys, I- if you could see the way Jamie's <laughs> lighting up when she talks about pickleball. All right. Here we go. This is serious. Like when I saw the CrossFit Games and I was like, I want to be there. Like when I saw the pickleball championships, 
I'm going to be there one day. Hell yeah. I want to hear all about pickleball. Let, <laughs> okay. let, let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is pickleball? Basically, my good friend that I grew up playing high school basketball against, amazing. Her name's Ofa, and she was an incredible athlete. We would always go head-to-head and play it against each other. She played at uh, – wait, where did you play it called? San Diego State. Oh, okay. She was at uh, Northridge. She okay. was at CSUN. Okay. And then she played overseas in Germany and a little bit in Europe, and then she came back. She's an L.A. City firefighter, okay. the first Tongan wow. woman. Very Firefighter, cool. which That's is amazing, and she is. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. She's a badass. You, okay, let it let, <laughs> let it go. Thank thank you so much for serving. You know, LA City. There's a ton of fires that, that, oh. that happen, especially there in that Sepulveda Pass by the 405. Yes, and so yes, you know yes. the LA City firefighters get after it. They are badass. They are awesome, and we're we're very thankful. We uh we serve some of the fire department down in San Diego, and we're just in awe, you know, any shift worker really, right? Like your sleep schedule, your circadian rhythm, everything is kind of off. Totally. So to make time to come into the gym and be a part of the community, like we are so fortunate. I'm like, you get off a 24, a 48, a 78, and you come straight to the gym. Like, what? How? I don't get it. I don't get it. I I get a full night's sleep and I'm like, man, I'm tired. And I can't even say that. I feel bad saying that. Absolutely. They're (laughs) they're definitely uncommon amongst the uncommon, I would say. For sure. For sure, all the healthcare workers, every, everybody. Yeah, thank for you sure, guys so especially much. especially the RNs and all the doctors during COVID. Like yeah. we were driving on our way here, and on the right hand side, I saw a big line, and I was like, "Hey, you know, is that you know is a really popular breakfast spot, or is everybody trying to get coffee?" Yeah. And no, it was a healthcare place for people to get COVID nineteen testing, which is very cool that we have that potentially available, but definitely right. raises your eyebrows that like. Our healthcare workers are definitely in it right now. Yeah, yeah, and we have a couple here uh, members here that are, you know, nurses, doctors, and and it, it's a stressful, really hard time for them. And they're working their butts off. So uh, yeah, just commend them all for still getting their fitness in and making sure they're coming in, which Absolutely. is important probably to their to their mental health, to the, ev- everything, you know. So, oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. really. So back to pickleball. <laughs> I want to hear about this thing. Okay, so she's like Jamie, like okay you gotta try this and she talked about it a couple times kind of like crossfit when everyone's like jamie you gotta do crossfit you gotta yeah, i'm yeah. like okay guys okay i'll try it i'll try it one day and then like push it off push it off and then we went one day it i'm telling you you we got it we gotta go play right now after this. <laughs> Before you go, it, it's so fun it's kind of like a mix of like did you play tennis or a little bit ping yeah. pong paddle tennis yeah, yeah okay it's a mix of all of those things okay so it's a shorter court and i feel like at this age where my body's at right now this is perfect for me because like, you know, you still get the like lateral and like short sprints and and we play doubles. So then it's even like, you know what I mean? It's even, it breaks up the court a little bit. Oh yeah. And it's like placement and yeah, I'm just way into it. So we will play. We have a good group of four and we like go at it. We played for four hours the other day. Okay. That is freaking rad. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) I I honestly like, I think it's so fascinating as adults, like we should never stop learning. Yeah. Right? Like Jason Kalipa talked about it recently as he exposed himself to jujitsu where it became like physical chess. Yeah. Right? And it's like we should always surrender to the the concept of being a beginner again. Because the yes. lessons that you're learning, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the strategy, <laughs> the camaraderie with others, yeah, that bleeds into everything. And there's so many transferable skills that I'm sure you utilize in other facets of your life, too. Totally. And, that, and that's where I was kind of like, you know, I, I, I played basketball in college and professional overseas. And then, I, and then I went to the CrossFit Games. And, like, what's next? You know yeah. what I mean? And because that's in me, I, I, I can't – I don't know any other way to ha- not have competition in my life. It's in my blood, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, like, I love friendly competition. But then this, I was like – whoa this is like a feeling of like playing a game yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and so it, it's just like cool to be able to feel that again guys you know? watch out we're gonna see jamie hagia <laughs> 
at the 2020 something <laughs> pickleball Olympics. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a dream. One can dream. <laughs> That's super rad. So, you know, you, you, you had this amazing upbringing. What was it like kind of playing some of these sports with your you're not with your significant others, but with your, you know, siblings and whatnot growing up? So my sister and I are three years apart. So she was okay. a senior when I was a freshman. Okay. So we got to play one year varsity together. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. So it was neat that like, you know, our whole family got to be there and support us. Yeah. So that was, that was neat. Let's see. My brother's three years younger than me. Okay. So then when I was a senior, he was a freshman. So we all got like one year in high, well, me and being in the middle, got one year of high school with both of them, okay. which is really neat. I think we all did get closer later in life. You know, mm-hmm. you know, when you're kids, you just yeah, kind of yeah. like, so I'm, I, the, I'm the youngest. And, of um, how many? My, of three. Boys. Um, I have an older sister. And an older brother. And, okay. And I always felt like my brother's three years older as well. Okay. <laughs> I always felt like if I could beat him, I could beat anybody. Yes. Did you have that like <laughs> in you? I mean, I kind of feel it. Like <clears throat> you talked about your crave for competition and, you know, how that went from basketball to CrossFit and how that's fall- falling into pickleball a little bit. And I'm sure it, it's in your business world too. But do you think that kind of started in your roots where you're like, if I can beat my sister? <laughs> Uh, I I, I see it you know what I mean I I think like it's you know like when when you coach anyone like especially for like sports or basketball it's like how do I get that that drive that Uh like you know what I mean and sometimes it's in people and you can't teach it you know Uh what I mean and and then sometimes it's it is like fostered by your environment too so I think if you have that and then you're put in a competitive environment then you're thri- like you're going you know yeah. what I mean because anyone I talk like when I hear like Reggie Miller talk about playing Cheryl you know it's like oh, to the death yeah <laughs> you know and so I think that is what makes like these athletes so great or so competitive is because that they have no other choice yeah. you know what I mean they're in an environment where uh, you know if you dig a little bit deeper and you're trying to seek mom's attention or dad's yeah. attention at home. Jordan, did you watch the yeah. oh. the last dance where he yes. talks about, you know, his relationship with his father a little bit, but like you were in like the perfect storm where your brother's chasing you <laughs> and you know, with the male ego, you know he's gonna let you know if he gets you. Yeah. And then you're chasing your sister and it's like that's the perfect storm to to optimize and spread your wings a little bit in an in a competitive environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's really right. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. I mean, I mean, I think that was a perfect segue where it's like during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are all forced to look inward in some way, shape or form. And one of my thoughts in relation to this podcast is why are we the way we are? Mm, Right. And just kind of, you know, you sound like such an enthusiastic and a competitive person. And I've been fortunate to cross paths with you as a friend, cross paths with you as, you know, somebody I'm competing against on the floor and then be a fan from afar. And it's so fascinating to me to see, you know, and hear, you know, your your relationship to your family and your siblings and how that, you know, led to, you know, you ultimately playing basketball at USC. Like that's a pretty pretty awesome thing to have on the resume. And, you know, it, it didn't come easy. <laughs> yeah. And so would you mind sharing with our listeners what that journey was kind of like? You know, the AAU circuit, for people that don't know, like you're going all over the place trying to get exposure. You're trying to showcase your skills. Sometimes that's in a great environment. Sometimes we perform well. Sometimes we don't perform well. And, you know, there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of games in the day. Right. You know, how do you fuel? How do you, you know, travel? How do you get to those places if mom and dad are busy? Yeah, um, and that, it's the money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very expensive to, to, to go places as well. And, you know, it takes a lot to, 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 to go through that. 
Yeah. And, you know, you did that at the highest level. And so you your, know what's your interesting. story is kind of cool. Yeah, what's very interesting is, like, I did play club. I played AAU, and my scholarship didn't come from that. Yeah. I think a lot of parents and um, kids bank on, like, okay, yeah, I'm like, this travel team is going to give me the most exposure because you know anytime you go to a tournament – the stands are full with coaches yep. and they have their clipboards and you know which one, which coach is where and where you want to go and you know mm-hmm. what I mean like that. So uh, yeah, very interesting. I, I did that route. I played and I I went to high school. I, I should have gone to a better high school down the street for me. So even then I was like, you know, I don't want to leave my friends just for basketball to go to this school just for a better opportunity you know, or for to get a scholarship, you know, mm-hmm. per se. So I stayed at my local high school. We made CIF. It's not like we won any championships. Or, you know, we won our league, but not nothing further than state or anything or any of that. So I basically came down to, you know, I'm five, two and a half. Okay. So I'm short. And then on top of that, you throw in like I'm Japanese American and, and you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it, it's, not very the accolades aren't there to raise eyebrows for the coaches with the clipboard yeah 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 totally totally you had to approach it being being scrappy being smart and kind of paving the way for your own path right and so I had a couple like you know offers like from like smaller schools but maybe it was like the assistant coach and then and then the head coach you know left and they got fired so anyways it ended up happening my senior year I played my very last game the buzzer goes off I have zero offers so my only options are to go to a junior college where they're like, hey, you can try to get a scholarship from here or go to a university I got into academically. And they're like, you could try to walk on, but there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like waiting and trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I there was this last minute exposure camp at um, Adidas exposure camp in Pasadena City College. And my one of my old coaches, that's why it's all networking, you know, mm-hmm. and she said, hey, come out. You never know what's going to happen. I literally went out that one weekend. The USC coaches were there. They needed a point guard. And that was my one and only offer. That and it so was cool. crazy. Like, I, I couldn't even believe it. I, I went up north to visit my family in San Jose. They were sending packets of, like, USC stuff to the address up there. They were sending it to my school. And just because I wasn't highly recruited, I was like, what is this? You know, yeah. when I went for AAU, one of my teammates, she would get thousands, like, hundreds of faxes. Like, yeah. we would show up to hotels. Markeisha, oh, my gosh, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I never had any of that. So this was my one and only offer, my one and only visit. Like, I was so thankful and appreciative and just so... I'm getting goosebumps as you're telling this just because I know what that feels like. Like, you're, like, wanted. And yeah. then it, it just doesn't work out and you just feel not wanted. Right, right. right. And then you get the opportunity. And I'm sure in that moment, you're self-reflecting on the late nights, all the suicides yes. run, all the shots shot, all yeah. the dribbling drills, yep. all the injuries overcome, all the sacrifices by those within yeah. your within your network. Right. And to feel that, what, yeah. what, what, what did that feel like when you officially got oh, the offer? Oh, man. I, I think because it was such a hard journey for me because no matter where I went, literally everyone, all the coaches, all the parents, everybody was like, she's too short, she's not good enough, she'll never play Division One," And I didn't care. Like, you can say whatever you want, and that's where I think this fire comes from, too, is like, you say no, I'm, watch me do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so, like... I love that, that Rudy mentality. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you you don't think anything of me? You're, I'm an underdog? Okay, you know? like, um, So I, mean, I think that played a big factor, and, and that drove me, like, in my work ethic, coming from my grandparents and my parents, like... The first one in the gym, the last one to leave, I went to go practice with the boys team. You know, I did everything I could because I knew when that final buzzer went off of my very last game, I wanted to say I could walk away saying I did everything I could. Mm -hmm. And whether I got a scholarship or if I didn't, I'd be happy. You know, I think that's where it started from. But yeah, so when I finally did get that, 
and this sounds really stupid, but like I love like singing shows. Yeah. One, I wish I could sing, but I'm the worst singer in America. But like The Voice, American, all these shows where these singers have aspirations of becoming like you know just making it, and yeah. they've had the door slammed on their face, and no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. When they finally get their break, when finally someone turns around and believes in them, like that's that feeling I, I get, you know, oh, and that's, that's why I, I think I love it so much. It makes me cry every time I listen to their stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, You're but anyways, a sparkle like, and a tear in my eye over <laughs> here just to think about, you know, like that label, right? Like they're not even looking at your performance. They're just labeling based on what they see with the eye and what it says on, you know, your, your, your piece of paper with height and perceived athleticism. Right. And in a world where, you know, a lot of recruiting is based on potential, Yeah. right? Yeah. You and I both know that most potential is never maximized or fulfilled because they don't have it between the ears. Yeah. Right. And like the fact that, you know, there's not time or there's not space honored to dig deeper within the recruiting process to know who is this person that, I, that yeah. I'm signing and yeah. who can they potentially become? There's so many layers to that. And I'm so thankful that, you know, USC took a chance and that oh, you were able to, <laughs> you know, pursue, you know, your, your, your college basketball goals and dreams. I'm seeing you rocking your USC shoes ah, over here I know, now. man. I'm so proud. And USC <laughs> came off the victory yesterday. That's right. O- o- over my Bruins over yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my mom went to UCLA. So I remember you mentioned yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So she made a quick switch, too. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. But, yeah, yeah, no, that's why I always love, like, anyone who, like, you know, I, I literally tell everyone, I'm like, you can do anything you want to do you can be anything you want to be like you have to believe in yourself you know what I mean Mm because it's going to be hard it's going to be a hard journey it's going to be a hard road but like literally you can make it absolutely I I I'm so thankful for you sharing that you know I'm hoping that there's at least one listener out there that may be in the thick of things that hears your story that's like you know what I'm getting up today and and my journey starts now yeah you know and I I think that's very empowering and very very inspiring thank you before you went to Pasadena City College to pursue, you know, that exposure camp, what was kind of going through your head? Did, did, did you approach that exposure camp like, you know what, this is my last shot, I have nothing to lose? Or did you kind of go into that like, I'm just going because this coach wanted me to go and I've kind of given up. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, this is kind of fun. You kind of figured it out along the way. Or like, what was your psychology like going to an event like that when to some people it was already over with your high school season oh, being done? Yeah. I wanted to play at UH so bad because my sister went to UH. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I want to go. So every time the UH coaches were in the stands, I played horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know, I think you put that pressure on yourself. Yeah, you know? pressure and expectation is oh, tough. Oh, yes, yes, yes. From parents, from, like, your peers, from, like, your coaches. like, And, and that's a whole nother – the mindset when I got to USC was a whole nother mental game. But, yeah, so, so I think that final exposure camp for me was, like, go out and have fun. Play mm-hmm. your game. I, I didn't even – think about who was in the stands who was watching I didn't even think about this is going to be my last chance or my opportunity I I just went out and played and literally I got an outlet for my the post player that rebounded I got my eyes up flew uh threw the ball down the court and they they were looking for a point guard who had good court vision who can you know and and pitch it, it ahead it and was create opportunities it was literally that and I think even the next day I didn't even show because I went to like I had like a, a wedding or some kind of event and there so it was just kind of crazy I was like I tell kids, you never know. You never know what they're looking for, what they're watching, like what it could be. The like stars align. And I, and I, for me, I think character is a big issue too. So like, I like to see like how they react to certain situations in games. Like if something doesn't go their way, if they they get pulled out, or like how they treat their teammates. You know, it's just just a very interesting thing that I think makes 
great athletes and players and teammates and you know, things like that. Absolutely. And then and you just look at culture, right? Like how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're right. having a tantrum on the court, what what are you really doing behind closed oh, yeah. doors? How are you in the <laughs> locker room? Like right. how are you in practice? How are you in the weight room? You know, yeah. what happens, you know, when you get into it with your professor and then you still have to you know, go to, go to class or go, go to some sort of team obligation after, yeah. are you going to carry that with you or can you leave that at the door? Right. 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 right? Transfers There's everything. So many things. You mentioned briefly the psychological, you know, warfare that you went through once you got to USC. What was that kind of like? You know, you're, you're now a small fish in a big pond Yeah. and you know, you're, you're full of gratitude to be there. It's a very Hollywood type campus you know, very starstruck football team. You're in, you're in the middle, you know, of downtown LA kind of. And I was the same year as Reggie Bush, the Absolutely. same class. Absolutely. So we had same like class the two championships. Yeah, was, football was the best back then. We yep. never lost. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Super cool. I mean, I mean, Reggie is an incredible athlete. Oh. I, w- I would love to pick his brain a yeah. little bit to hear, you know, his journey and his story. He's a San Diego guy. Yeah, out yeah, of, yeah. Out of, out of Helix High School yeah, down there. Yeah. And like, I mean, to this day, I watch that 30 for 30. <sighs> and like the stuff that he was doing, I, I, the only person I can potentially compare it to is like Barry Sanders. It literally looks like he's playing a fucking video game. Yeah. Like yeah, the moves, yeah. the stop, the <laughs> go, the, the antics, everything. Like I really agree with Matt Leinert's line when they lost to Texas where it was like Texas wasn't the better team. They may have, the, the outcome and the scoreboard may have said that. Yeah. And, you know, there may have been just a, a, a mental lapse, you know, based right. on that fumble. But like yeah, the stuff that Reggie Bush did – on that football Oof. field at USC in the Coliseum. Yeah. I think all of us can can be in the middle of something really important and that's a, that's a head turning moment. Oh, for sure. Right? Like in the yeah. fact that you got to be a part of that, that's rad. Yeah, so like in the summertime we would condition with football. Oh, that's so cool. So like yeah, my like the memories of like running 110s on the football field with them and obviously like we were with the linemen. <laughs> <laughs> like 19 seconds to get across the yes. line. But Reggie and them had like the fastest, fast guys are like 14 or something. And he's 10 yards ahead of the fastest guys like yeah. in the nation. Like some of these guys are on the track team. Yeah. And that, that was mind blowing. Just really cool and really nice, nice guy. Yeah. Very cool. So anyways, yeah. If you can get him on your podcast, Reggie, come on. <laughs> that, that'd be rad. Yeah. So w- what was it like? So you arrived at practice. Did you, did you arrive the summer before? Like a lot of freshmen do? Yeah. I, I think my freshman year, I kind of went in kind of with nothing to lose because like well I'm here and like played not afraid and just kind of you know all that stuff and and I actually ended up like I think I made the honorable freshman pack all pack 12 or something like that honorable cool. mention Congratulations. Team. thanks rad. yeah a long time ago but anyways after my freshman year our, our coach got fired so we had a whole new coaching staff come in and you know that adjustment's always hard yes it, so it's almost like you have to reprove yourself all over again oh yeah because you're not their player and yeah. they're not they don't know you, they don't know, you know, and not mm, that they can get rid of you, but they could really, you know, or you don't play. So um, we did have a coaching change. And uh, this is what's interesting is I feel like as a coach, you understand that not every athlete is going to respond the same way, you know, and so some when you can yell at them and dig into them and, you know, get on them really hard, that's going to make another person crumble. Absolutely. And so for me, I, I, you know, as mentally tough as I was in situations, I need, I need like a more of a nurturing coach mm-hmm. who's like, Jamie, you got this. We believe mm-hmm. in you. Like, yeah, yeah, get on me when I make mistakes. But like, you know, so I, I think that the whole like belief in myself, just everything like got wiped away with that. So my sophomore year, like, yeah, I still like play. I always played half the game every year. My junior year, again, same thing. Like I 
you know, I, I think sometimes I was playing afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward into my senior year, the number one point guard in the nation, who verbal to UConn and then came to USC, uh, was coming in. And then the girl I always split time with. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to play at all. But you know what? I'm going to work my butt off this summer. And if I go play two minutes, like, I'm going to contribute the best I can in those two minutes. That's a great mindset to have. Yeah. And, and so I fortunately did that because you never know. And one of our point guards, the one I split time with, Open gym in the summer, went up for a layup all by herself, broke her hip. Wow. The other incoming freshman, number one point guard in the nation, tore her ACL. I was the oh, only man. point guard on scholarship and had to play all 40 minutes my wow. senior year. Yeah, so luckily and I was like. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. That's I love that. I love that. I like It just is so, yeah, that's what basically what my senior year was about. But man, I'm getting goosebumps again. <laughs> this is twice <laughs> in the same episode that I, you're like getting me fired <laughs> up. Because you get it. I mean, for, for people that don't understand college athletics, when you go to a school, in theory, it's a four-year scholarship. But in reality, oh. it's a one-year scholarship. Yeah. And they can recruit over you. They yep. can replace you. And you are constantly walking on eggshells. Even if you're performing well, even if your character fits the culture, you're constantly next man up, right? That was Yo. Pete Carroll's philosophy oh, on yeah. the football field, right? Like you That's ain't why they're so good. Like next man up yeah. or next woman up in this case. Yeah. And so it's like... To have somebody come in, you already played, you know, the Rudy mindset in your recruiting process yeah, to get yeah. there, to have to do that all over again. again and play for a staff that you felt with with the vibration and the energy that they didn't believe in you. And then, you know, ironically, yeah. your work ethic, some sort of energy or higher power provided that opportunity to you. That is so cool. Yeah. And I, I think, and again, they're great coaches and cared so much, you know what I mean? And and it, I do, like, I don't blame anything on them because I do feel like it was me like I mentally wasn't strong enough to like you know like the pressure like for these college kids like it it, for me especially on top of that was like I'm in downtown LA my very first my freshman year my very first game the stands were packed with Japanese Americans like wow and to the point that my teammates were like damn Jamie brought all little Tokyo with her (laughs) and that became my nickname my whole freshman year they call me little Tokyo because the support was insane you know I mean I I can echo that when you were competing at the Del Mar Fairgrounds (laughs) like we had our Invictus Sea of Green green. and then just to the right of us was everybody (laughs) at your gym like every time you finished a workout it was like you were doing the Green Bay Packer Lambo leap (laughs) into the stands and I was like shit, I kind of want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, this looks dope. Like, I think that's so cool, just how you're you're creating a new path for Japanese Americans. You're creating camaraderie around the sport. And, and you know, you, you didn't come in with all the accolades and things handed to you. You earned everything, every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I let the pressure get to me. So that's why my senior year, even though I was the only point guard in scholarship, I let the pressure of the school, my coaches, my team, I don't want to let them down, my community, everything was on me. So I played horrible the first openings like couple games of our season to the point where my dad sat me down and he was like you're putting so much pressure on yourself go out there and have fun Mm -hmm. and I was like and then when it it clicked change and I started playing and and like how it used to be in high school and it's fun and you don't pass cut because that's the play pass screen like reading and playing and like oh man and that was like the best thing that could have happened to me because then you know when you go play overseas like they expect you to score yeah so like when you're when you're coming from america to go overseas there is so much expectation placed on you like you 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 are expected to score you're expected to be perfect in every facet of life 
you take the pressure of being expensive. Yeah. Um, oh, there, yeah. There, there's a lot that, that comes with that. And, you know, I think USC probably prepared you really well for that. Yeah, totally. And, and I think being able to, like, play freely and, like, believe in myself again to do it twice like again because then again I graduate with a degree in communication and I'm like I don't know but my best friend on the team was an all-american and so her agent was like like I'll never forget I was like planning on going back to USC to finish my last semester and I got a call in July and he's like Jamie I got a team for you in Greece pack your bags you're going and I was like wow why because I I again I was like I don't think I'm good enough to go play you know so it's this never-ending cycle of like you are, you're enough. You're more than enough. Like mm-hmm. you've got to believe in yourself. So then pack my bags. There you go to Greece. I'm like playing on a team and I'm like, That's here so I am. Cool. So, so, so what was that like when you got to Greece and you know, were there any other Americans on your team or what, yeah, what was that we had like? another American and thank God she was the best and we're friends to this day oh, she's cool. uh went to play to byu uh danielle chessman and we'll meet up and go you know to this day but um yeah it was it was a great experience <laughs> you know overseas overseas is like here's your contract you got it all set up here's your house and your everything we didn't even have a house we we didn't, they didn't have a place for us to stay. Yeah. So we stayed in a hotel. I don't even know her. I'm sleeping like one foot away from her in a hotel in the tiny hotel beds for a whole okay. month. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I'm not the only one. Like, I lived in the back house of like somebody's club. The place was incredibly small. I could reach and touch the bed next to us. The shower was a hose up on the wall and there was a drain. And like if you took too many steps, your foot ended up in the toilet. Like I'm not complaining at all. No, it was a great no. experience. Yes. But at the yes. same time, like you don't know what you're signing up for. No. And I mean, John Grisham wrote a really cool book called Playing for Pizza. Okay. And That's amazing. I, I can I can dive into that, that book later. But basically, the premise is the guy's football career in the NFL didn't work out. So he went to Italy okay. to, in theory, play for pizza. He's pursuing this this dream, this this passion and love for the sport. Right. And I feel like that's kind of what the overseas, you know, game is, where it's like you're playing for the love of the sport. Right. You know, the, the, there are some, you know, financial perks and some lifestyle perks, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's not the NBA. No. It's not the WNBA. It's not the luxuries that you get yeah. in Division One college sports. Oh, man. I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the, the thing that was the a little bit of the final straw for me yeah. was. And I you played in, Su- in Sweden. Sweden. Okay. Yeah. I felt like I never had a home. Okay, yeah. I I craved a home lifestyle. I craved, you know, giving to others. And I felt like I was on this, like, selfish journey to to uh, find closure with something I did my entire life. Yeah. And And how'd you, uh, how'd you, your career for basketball, how'd you walk away? So I played a game where I was taking stupid shots (laughs) and they were going in. Okay. And it was probably the best game I ever played in my life. I scored 41 points. Oh, wow. And then the very next game. I took the same shots and they weren't going in and I was turning the ball over and I remember I had to go to like a, a dinner and apologize and oh. go through this whole thing with the media and it was like, whoa, wait, three days ago you guys loved me and now, you know, I'm the worst person in the entire country yeah. and I can only imagine what, you know, some of these NBA stars go through, oh. you know, especially in the in modern day social media age. But, yeah. you know, so, so, so learning that and unpacking that and, you know, it was a time where I didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a car. I went everywhere on a bike. It was freezing. Yeah. I wasn't used to that being a, a SoCal boy. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't call mom and dad. Everything was like email communication yep. from like this weird cord that I tried to plug into my computer. What year was this? 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's mean, it a little little way time ago, but I, I think it was the, the best thing I could have possibly done. For I interviewed sure. Greg Whiteley a while ago, who is the creator of Last Chance U on Netflix. Okay. Um. And he describes his Mormon mission. He went to BYU mm. and he went on this mm. mission, okay, which... Okay. 
you know, <coughs> y- you're by yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, you're doing some self-exploration. There's a religious component, whatever. But, like, in my eyes, like, similar to you, I left without finishing my degree. And my mom's like, you're never going to finish uh, your degree. Like, you're going on this basketball adventure. I'm like, mom, I'm going to finish. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and you, w- when you go on, I did, hanging. I did okay, finish. Okay, I did okay. finish. Good, good for you. What's so cool is that when you go on this journey, it's like, I don't know if you felt this way, but it was like you versus the world. Oh, yeah. And like, you're trying to figure out like, who am I as a human being? What do I want my life to look like? Yeah. And I think, um, so much self-reflection. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like distract themselves from that, right? There's so so much like social media or there's alcohol or there's different, you know, altered states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I think when you spend time by yourself and you have to look yourself in the mirror and accept why you are the way you are and then you can make the choices hey i want to change or i want to remain the same i want to continue down this path or i view my life going a different way right and i was so thankful for that opportunity i was thankful for the good the bad the in-between yep the tough conversations the uh distance from comfort Mm -hmm. i think playing overseas the language oh man Oh man! Like I could not pick up Swedish. People say it's easy, but yeah. I couldn't figure it out. How how was your communication in Greece? Greek? Oh, well, first of all, were they smoking in the gyms too? No, but I had a Greek guy on my team. Yeah, he was seven foot two, over nice. three hundred pounds. He could only play a few minutes at a time okay. to get out of breath. And yeah. his name was Andreas Patinos. Oh, nice, amazing screen setter. <laughs> like for a guy that was coming like to score and shoot, yeah. like. Man, that w- I was so thankful to have him <laughs> on our team. I didn't care if he played two minutes or if he played 40 minutes. Like, yeah. the guy set awesome screens and could not be moved. Yeah. I was like, man, I would play with him any day. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, it's so fun to reminisce on those days. It really is. But yeah. but, 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 but I want to hear about, like, how did you adapt to the culture, right? Like, when w- a lot of people, like, view, Ameri- oh, spoiled American, you yes. don't want to adapt to the culture. You think you're better than everybody else. You had it perfect over there. Like, what was that like for you? going through this journey where like every step of the way you had to reprove yourself. What yeah. was it like when you got to Greece? So yeah, I mean, it was kind of a little rough go around just because like the way our team, you know what I mean? Obviously living out of a hotel and like, I don't know if this happened to you, but I had driven stick ship maybe like one time, like in a parking lot here. And you were a like, lot braver than me. I didn't even touch it. Oh, really? <laughs> I let other people drive. Oh man. They gave us a car and I was like, it was obviously stick. And I was like, I don't drive to our manager. And he's like, it's okay. You drive. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so like when we broke down one time, I like I had to like go up a hill and then like stop because I like didn't know and rolled all the way back down yes. and all the cars go around me and then I <laughs> Hey, but I will let you know I'm a really I can do it now. Yeah. So there's a lesson I learned. Is, right there. Isn't that cool though, like exposing yourself to things that are really <laughs> scary and uncomfortable? They just lead to growth. Yeah. Inevitably. Totally. So yeah, I mean that was um it, the people are great you know the families were so nice and welcoming and and then again at christmas time i obviously our team situation wasn't ideal so my teammate left and then we somehow got a wba player to come in so when i came back i I, you know i was kind of struggling like do i go back do i stop like i don't know i just feel like this is an opportunity and i can't let it go Mm -hmm. i'm getting paid to play basketball you know Mm -hmm. so i went back and uh they gave my when we finally got an apartment, they gave my apartment to my teammate. So I'm there I am again in a hotel. And I think it's just interesting, like, how everything lines up. And I actually just shared the story the other day. Like, that's when I really, like, felt God's presence in my life. And it was, like, one of the coolest things ever because I just was, like, you're. I was in a hotel and I was so alone and just, like, broken and and you know like do I come home do I not I'm so struggling with what I do and, and I open up the drawer there's the bible and I was like oh man I like just knew he was like 
it, you're going to be okay. You know, yeah. I talked to my dad and my dad's like, you don't need to be, you don't need to be miserable, miserable to prove your love for God, you know? And I was yeah, like, that's cool. oh, cool. Okay. So then I, that took a little bit of like pressure off of me of like, I have to stay here and prove like, this is how I'm going to do it. And this, you know, and he's like, no, you can come home. Like, and so, yeah. and so I ended up going home and then going back out and played a little bit in Spain because my friend played out there. And, and again, the reset, like we lost, they, everyone had no money. So I came back and my very last thing before I hung up my shoes was, um, I tried out for the WBA, the Los Angeles Sparks in 2012. Okay. Yeah. And then it's kind of like similar to you. I think when it stops being fun, mm-hmm. I, I always tell myself I'll do it until it stops being fun. Mm-hmm. And when it's like that, and that's the point it got to. And then I was happy and I was okay. Like walking away. That's, a, that, that's such that's an amazing journey. That's where I found journey. CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it cool that, like, you and I have had this conversation now for, for over 40 minutes, and the world kind of knows you as this CrossFit athlete, but there's so much more to Jamie Hagia. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a, a really cool piece. I really appreciate you sharing, you know, some of the, the highs and lows of basketball, right? It's Success is not a linear progression. Right. 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 And it's like if you just stick with it a little bit more than you think that you can. Yeah. Sometimes there's there's magic on the other side of that. Yeah. You know, or the, or there's an outcome that you you couldn't have even imagined. Yeah, and like when I speak to, you know, different like groups or whatever, I, I always say like to me there's no like there's no such thing as failure, you know what I mean? Yeah, you you might get no, 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 but when one door closes another one open and mm-hmm. I knew when basketball closed like I had no idea what that was going to be. Like I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know. And who thought CrossFit would come along and I'd end up opening up a gym with my sister and now this is my career. I get to work with my family. I get to be with a great community. I get to, this is my job. Like, yeah. you know, and so. And, and not only that, but you light up when talking about it, which yeah. tells me you're doing the right thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, my psychology teacher at USC, the most important lesson I learned walking away from USC was she's like, whatever you do from here on out, like make sure you love and you're passionate about it. Like you'll never work a day in your life. And I always like kept that in the back of my head. And so, yeah, and I'm, I, I know this is like where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. That's very cool. And I'm so happy for you. And I, I, I feel that energy and love just being in here. Oh, you know? Also, I think I was here 2017, but we trained a little bit before heading yeah. over to Carson and yeah. like, just to watch the renovations and the evolution just shows that you're on a constant pursuit of just betterment, not just for you, but in the service of others. Yeah. And I, and I think like, it's not just me, like, <laughs> you know, behind everyone, there's always a like, great team and my oh, yeah. sister. Oh man. Like all those years of me competing from like, we opened in 2013 till 2018 when I stopped competing, like she held it down, you know, and she's like, you compete, you do it. I'll run all the back end. I'll do all this stuff. And, and you coach and you be here with the people. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's great. Like, especially coming from a team sport, you know, like every single person's important, you know, Mm -hmm. and like everyone has to do their job, like on the team we were talking about. So, yeah. yeah. So what, what, what was your transition from basketball to CrossFit? Who kind of got you into it? Yeah. And then when did you kind of find out that like, well, I'm kind of good at this shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, when the Los Angeles Sparks were like, you know, we were talking with them, the Japanese American community was like, we want pushing for me to be on the team. And we, you know, so all this stuff. So they, I actually ran an Asian American night for the Los Angeles Sparks. And so one day before a game, I ran a clinic 
300 kids on the Staples Center floor. I'll show you wow. a picture of it. It was cool. I see like, that. Yeah, it was dope. cool. It was really cool. Um, so I ran a clinic for them. A parent in the stands wrote me on Facebook and was like, hey, my daughter was at your clinic. The way you move, the way you do things, I think you'd be really great at CrossFit. I, I'm an owner of this gym right here in, uh, in LA and like come out. And again, I'd heard so much about it. I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No. And he, he kept on. He wouldn't, you know, he's like, just one time, one time. And I was like, fine, I'm coming once. And then, you know, it's just so. Just keep pushing. Yeah, just a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. So then I went out that one time. I loved it. Loved it. So that I, I used it to help train for, you know, my tryout. And obviously when I make the team, then I, I qualified for regionals after doing it for like six months or so in 2011. Mm-hmm. No, 2012? 2012. And then really stupid. Uh, this is, Were you at that one in the Pomona Fairgrounds in 2012? Not 2012. I think I went to regionals the first time in 2014 with Valley CrossFit and, oh, okay, and Chris okay. Clever. In oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So in 2012, I qualified and I don't know what it is. But the week of, I had jury duty. I went to Long Beach. Of course, you're, um, everyone's obsessed with CrossFit. So I go to CrossFit on my jury duty lunch break. 100 meter sprints. I'm racing all the guys next to me, girls, whoever, tear my hamstring. Like, oh. popped. And I was like, oh. That's a tough injury, too. Oh, that God. and the Achilles are tough I injuries. I did that one, too. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did. Um, so, yeah. So I tear my hamstring. I go back to the court. I get called on a case. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I just tore my hamstring. So they like, go. So then I went to regionals. It was literally two days later, and I watched, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, you know, and I, and I was like, I want to try to do this next year. And so then that's how it kind of started. So then I, I went in 2013 and missed it by two spots. Oh. And then in 2014, I missed it by one spot because, mm. yeah, they took uh, three, the three people, and then Chris Clever. Remember they took the former champion? Yeah, so yeah. she finished fourth, and I finished fifth, so I missed yeah. it by one spot. Oh, that's and so brutal. then when I thought I was, like, right on the brink, I was like, okay, next year is my year. Tore my Achilles. Yeah. So anyways, that's you, you, kind of... You've had, you know, your, your bouts with adversity, but yet here you are, <laughs> right? Like, you're still smiling. You're still doing it. Like, you, in my opinion, that regionals, when it was like you and China Cho going back yeah. and forth at each <laughs> other, like, I was just inspired to the max watching you guys go back and forth on different workouts because neither of you really, like, wins workouts. Yeah. You guys, like, kind of hover within the top 10 in everything. And then what's super cool and like where I become a huge fan of CrossFit, like I know people can lift stuff and I know people can do sexy gymnastics things. Yeah. I like to see the grunt work. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing on the burpee box jumps oh. and the sandbag stuff and, you know, excessive wall balls being small and ring dips and then you have to lift the barbell. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. who who are you after doing all that other jazz? Yeah. Coming back from an Achilles, like, you know, how did how did you kind of find your groove with some of those things that like those aren't things that you're throwing up to Instagram that people are like, hey, I like watching you do burpees. Yeah. Right? Like that's something that you became really good at. And it sounds like that that feeling of like, hey, I'm not good enough to get a scholarship. I'm not good enough to play over the the number one recruit at UConn. Hey, I'm not good enough, you know, overseas. You guys keep pushing me around and not yeah. and giving my apartment away. Yeah. Hey, I'm not good enough for the Sparks. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to show you I'm fucking good enough. <laughs> like, that is so cool to me. <laughs> like, I mean, I could feel that then, and I didn't even know you're, like, yeah. all, the, all, all the, these layers to your story. So, it's yeah. like, how did you kind of get to that level? And, like, you know, what was that journey like when you, you know, did make it to the CrossFit Games? As, oh, as an man. individual, I want to yeah. specify as well. Yeah, because I was... 
had pushed and wanted that so bad. I think when there's something you want so bad, like there was just no quit in me, you know? And so, yeah, I tore my Achilles and, and for everyone who's injured, I, I think there's a ton of people who face injuries and it, and it sucks, you I know? I mean, the Achilles is a rough one, right? Like you look at Kobe going through it. Yeah. You look at, you know, uh, John Wall went yeah. through it twice yeah. <sighs> and we're, we're going to see what he's capable of. We yeah. watched Kevin Durant go through it. Yes. We watched, you know, poor Clay Thompson, man. I know. I, I, I feel know. bad for him. He did that and him. then his ACL. Yeah. Or, or ACL and then his Achilles. ACL yeah. and then the Achilles. Yeah. Like, uh, it's such a tough injury. I mean, you, you also DeMarcus Cousins. Like, it's a popular injury in, in jumping sports and, and more specifically in basketball. Right, right, right. Um, it was yours on a box jump? Yeah. It yeah. was for the grit. So I was on the Phoenix Rise yep. and like the the like uh, combine. We did a exhibition match, mm-hmm. and so I was in Vegas, thirty inch box jumps as fast as I could, and I literally felt like someone put a barbell in my heel. So I was like, mm. oh, why? You know, I didn't know what it was, and then I was like, oh, that's weird. And then when I couldn't walk, I was like, okay, well, that's what it is. So I had surgery, did that whole thing, and then this is off topic, but Kobe, he brought up Kobe. Mm-hmm. I think why he was, I mean, obviously incredible, incredible player and here, hometown hero and everything. But I think I watched his special and coming back from his Achilles and like mm-hmm. that was, and it was right before me. So I was like, man, I, like I wanted to know his journey. How did he do it? How did he come back? All this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward again, when I'm done competing, I'm like, when he's done, you know, as like we talked about this a little bit, like when you're done competing and as an athlete, sometimes you can feel very lost Yeah, and like you're, you're worth like. What do I do now? Yeah, your self-worth changes. Your your sense of identity changes because, it, I mean, you mentioned you started basketball at four. Yeah. As, as did I. And it's like as you and I go through this journey of like, hey, we're not going to necessarily compete in the sport. But that not, doesn't mean we're done with life. Yeah. Right? But, like, but you feel like that. Did you yeah, feel like that? You absolutely feel like that because people associate you with that, right? Yes. And, and then you start living your life to the expectations of right. others rather than to the expectations of yourself. Yes. And then – through fate, through self-exploration, you find things like the podcast for me. That's amazing. Pickleball in the gym for you. <laughs> yeah. And you realize that like similar to Kobe, like what, what was he doing? He was pursuing storytelling. Yes. Right. And, yeah. and realizing he had a gift to motivate and inspire children and really leaned into women's basketball, which yeah. I thought was very special. Uh, this, this is slightly off topic, but I got to spend some time with John Wooden before he passed away. Oh, that's amazing. And I think you'll really appreciate this. He actually loved women's basketball more than men's. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard him speak about that, but he talks about the eloquence of women's basketball because they play the sport the right way. Yes. Rather than relying solely on athleticism. Athleticism, yeah. And I I thought that was a really cool thing that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool that I don't think Kobe knew that, but he was living that through his daughter. Right. right? And how much... Uh, how much like it change it, it's bring it even him like all so much like awareness and just respect for the game and yeah so that was really cool and and I think another place where I found like comfort in, and like inspiration in him was like I'm done competing and you know how any professional NBA NFL when you're done and you can't do anything for your team and your fans anymore you're you're nothing to them mm-hmm. and so that so you know I was kind of lost I was like if I'm not competing and this is all I've known my entire life wh- who am I mm-hmm. what what am I doing here you mm-hmm. know and when I felt down and sad and I specifically remember watching his special and he was like or you know no when when it was when he passed away and and all the tributes of people saying like Kobe was an incredible pl- basketball player but I was excited to see how, what he was going to do in, uh, after he was done playing and what, how much the good out of that. And I was like, 
whoa, like it's yeah. not just basketball and CrossFit. There's so much more to my life mm-hmm. that I, that I can do and that I have to do that. It's not just tied to that. So mm-hmm. it was very like lifting my spirits up. Like that's not the end. Me mm-hmm. competing is not, that's one part of what I did, but yeah. it's not who I am. It's not all I have to give to this world, you know? Yeah. So and, that's, and, and I think being comfortable owning who you are in every chapter of your life. Right. Right. And not realizing that just because you're doing something different, that doesn't mean your self-worth is low. Right. That doesn't mean your value to the world is less. Right. There's a cool story. Lewis Howes from the School of Greatness podcast received an opportunity to interview Kobe. And this was after his career. And I'm not certain exactly where he lived, but he had to drive a good, good distance. And I think his agent or the person scheduling for him was like, yeah, like he's got a packed day, but you can, you know, see him at 8 a.m. So Lewis was like, you know what? I'm going to grab all my stuff. I'm going to get there at six. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to be set up. Everything's ready to go. He showed up at six and like the person to open the facility was like, yeah, like, you know, you can, you know, find your way through here, go down these hallways. Everything's lights are off because there's nobody here. And like, you know, you can pick a place that is comfortable for the interview. So Lewis and his staff kind of enter the space and they're walking down a hallway And he looks to his left and he sees a shadow. Kobe's sitting there by himself in a dark room, just thinking, processing the day. Mm -hmm. He had already gotten up at 4.30 and gotten in his workout and trained with his daughter. And he was laying the foundation for the day before Mm -hmm. the chaos of the world came in. That's amazing. I mean, you think about being uncommon amongst the uncommon. That's pretty unbelievable, right? Like we oftentimes talk about the value of sleep and like, yes, there is a ton of value to sleep, especially on a, on a health and wellness podcast, but also just being able to do the things that other people don't want to do. Yeah. Right. And like Kobe was famous for talking about basic math. If I get up at four 30, have my coffee and breakfast and hit a session from five to seven, then I get time with my family from seven to nine. I can train again from nine to 11, Jeez. take a little break during the day, have some food, take care of some business obligations. I can train again from, you know, <laughs> one to three, Yeah. right? Like yeah. maybe you're not, it's not a crazy training session. Maybe yeah. some of those are treatment. Maybe some of those are film sessions. Maybe yeah. some of those are, you know, on court sessions. Maybe right. some of those are mindset coaches and maybe some of those, you know, are, 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 are other things that provide value to his game. But it's basic math. Yeah. When you look at over the course of a week, over the course of a month, over the course of a year, nobody's going to touch that work ethic. Right. And when I think of you and what you've gone through, like you're very similar, right? And we, we gently talked about the power of transitions. Yeah. Right? Like how did you transition from the Achilles injury back to, you know, being the top of your sport? You later came back to the games on a team side of things, which I'm sure was more fulfilling because of your basketball background. Yeah. And then later, like being an incredible businesswoman. I mean, obviously, like the Achilles thing, like I just knew it was, it was in my mind. Like I'm, I want to make it to the games. And my goal with this whole CrossFit thing, I want to go one time on a team and one time individual. And that, that those are the goals I set for myself. And and again, like short term, long term, like however it is to get there, like make it happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, yeah, when when I finally had realized, um, I, I mean, obviously 2014, I tore it. 2015, I made regionals within the year of tearing it and I finished in 21st, nothing great. And then 2016. Let's, let's be honest. That's still very impressive. That puts you as one of the fittest women on the planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give yourself a little <laughs> bit of credit there. That's pretty badass. Yeah. But you know me, I'm like 21st. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. Yeah. It, it was, I was happy with that. Uh, kind of, but not really, but anyways. And so then, um, in 2016, just kind of went out there and, you know, gave it my all. And, and, and it's interesting, you know, how regionals works is like, 
hey, who cares? You have a bad event. Like, throw it out the window onto the next one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and so I needed the very, like, Sunday morning, there's two events. and Or Sunday, yeah. The very first event of Sunday I didn't do very well. So everyone was like, oh, man, is she going to be okay? Ooh, her mindset. And I didn't, I didn't care. It didn't bother me one time. I was like, all right, I know I'm going to go out there and kill this last one. Mm-hmm. So then it, that's why I finished China, me. And um, Brooke Entz and Colleen Foch were right. We were all within mm-hmm. points of each other. Yep. So, yeah. So when they, Kiki announced my name, man, like, and see, there's a video that CrossFit Games had posted of that. And, like, oh, it's that same feeling of, like, getting my scholarship and, like, those American Idol voice yeah, people yeah, who yeah. make it, you know. You're giving me the goosebumps <laughs> again. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was great. And, and the beautiful thing about that it was 2016 was the last year was in Carson so I'm right here in Torrance my gym is 10 minutes from there Mm -hmm. I got to sleep in my own bed I got to very lucky think talking about all the stars lining up and you know so and then yeah I went back in 2017 and and you know I I just had heard someone talk about this like uh an Olympian Olympic runner talked about making the Olympics and coming back and hitting a dark depression, mm-hmm. you know, because you're so high and you're at the CrossFit Games or what, the Olympics and, you know, and then you come back and it's regular life. Life just goes on and, mm-hmm. you know, and so then I kind of hit this like low and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And so then I went to regionals, didn't do very well in 2017. And then we're like, let's go on a team in 2018. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, that was you my co- last You combined with some really close friends of mine, oh, Ted, Teddy Huang. <laughs> I, he he was one of my first training partners. He he is a good dude. Man. Oh God, I love Teddy. He's such a funny, funny guy. We love making fun of. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good dude. And then who else was on there? Uh, Andrew Kong. Andrew Kong was on there. Chelsea, Chelsea Grigsby. Chelsea Grigsby, who's LA City firefighting. Yeah, so it's just actually they're all they're all pursuing fire. Teddy oh, Teddy just got cool. hired with Orange County Fire, and Andrew Kong's in the process. Oh, so very I'm cool. the only Congratulations. Firefighter out of that group. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're. The best teammates I could have. You know how fun it is. Yeah. How much you need your teammates. So we we had a great time training, had a great time in Madison. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, and I feel like for me, that was a great way for me to kind of walk away. And I I felt happy and fulfilled and Mm -hmm. good. And so now I'm like trying to shift that to my mindset of, okay, I was an athlete. I know how to do things. I know how to get what I want or set a goal. Now how do I translate that to business, you know? There's tons of transferable skills. I I interviewed Logan Galbrick a little while ago. and He he wrote the book Going Right. Yeah. For for people kind of in this in-between state of like, hey, you know, I've I've been an athlete or I've identified as an athlete. I'm moving on to other endeavors. Right. I think that's a really cool read. You know, there's so many transferable skills. Yeah. But one thing I did want to mention was I interviewed a gentleman who created what's called the Honor Foundation, Mm -hmm. which is a segue for special forces in the military to gain knowledge and education in the business world so that when they finish their military career, it's a seamless transition into the, the, cool. the day-to-day world. Yeah. And, you know, what my hope is a little bit with this podcast is that, like, I'm not as flabbergasted by people that are really good in one aspect of life. Yeah. I, I like the, the all-encompassing, well-rounded person who's, yeah. you know, a seven or eight and in, in 20 different categories rather than just one. Yeah. And, you know, I I think you hit the nail on the head with that Olympic runner who, you know, faced a little bit of depression. You know, you identify as something, you receive so many accolades and high fives and pat on the backs and comments and acknowledgement for that. Yeah. And then when that stops, like that just stops. Yeah. Right. And that's like not as much like fuel on the fire, I would say. And I, I think there's a lot of athletes that go through that. I think there's a lot of people that go through that yeah. in those transitions. And I think just taking a moment to acknowledge that, like, there's so many transferable skills 
And like just because you're doing something that is different doesn't yeah. make make it less. Right. 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 And I, I think that's a really important note for people to kind of take away from this cool conversation. Right. Yeah. It, it is that concept. And then also where I want to jump to next is just the concept of being emotionally vulnerable. Right. Like this journey is hard for everybody. Yeah. We all have so many highs, so many lows, the, the in-between spaces within within the roller coaster. And it's like nobody right. wants to talk about the lows. Nobody yeah. wants, everyone wants just to, t- to talk about the highs. But it's like in order to reach that PR, what struggle did you go through to get there? Right. And like that's what I'm really concerned about because yeah. I, I think that's real and that's that's authentic. And that's you really. Right. Like you've you've struggled on your Instagram, you've, you've vocalized the importance of body image and you've talked about food and, you know, now we're talking about the transition with, within yeah. your life, you know, what are your thoughts on body image, right? Like women have this massive challenge in the sport where it's like, well, you have to look this way and you have to go through all the negative comments on social media. And it's like, no, you're beautiful just the way you are, yeah. right? Like you don't have to live up to somebody else's expectations. Like what are your thoughts on that? And what, what message would you like to share with people maybe going through something similar? Yeah, just like I think, and again, how I've transitioned through everything, it's like a process, you know? And in the very beginning when I joined CrossFit, I was like, I saw Camille LeBlanc, and I was like, whoa, her body, we're kind of built similar, you know? And, and everyone thinks her body's beautiful. And I was like, I felt really good about myself. I was like, cool. Like, and then when I transitioned to like the competitive aspect, like fast forward when I'm training with Katrin and all of them at the blue Hill and and they all have these crazy six pack abs and I don't, it made me feel really shitty about myself. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, and that's why I didn't have a blog or anything like, uh, so that's why I kind of just shared my thoughts on Instagram. Like just because I don't look like that aesthetically, like I doesn't mean doesn't make me any less of an athlete than them. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of like, yeah, I, I, I love, I love to eat. I love food is like part of our like family and culture and it's yeah. always revolved around that. And, and so, yes, I haven't been the cleanest. Like I, I, Imagine if I ate clean when I was competing. <laughs> Maybe I could have done really. <laughs> I mean, there, there's something to be said for that, but there's also something to be said like fueling for performance. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like and if balance, you're eating to to fit the body image that, you know, pictures or supermodels right. or, or things go through, like you're probably not fueling appropriately. You're probably not performing your best. You probably don't feel well. Your hormones are probably out of right. whack. Like, I mean, we, we talked briefly with Gabby Reese about this where she was playing with modeling over here. Uh, and then she was a professional volleyball player over here. Right. One wants you to be super skinny to fit in, you know, all these fashionable clothes. Yeah. And the other one you're trying to perform. And so it's like, you're, it's a very challenging place to be for lots of athletes. Yeah. And I, I, I think it was so cool. Like you came out with that at a time where I think a lot of people were thinking it, but were too scared to press the button to yeah. share it with the world. Right. Well, I think the interesting thing about that was as soon as I posted that, like, I, I don't know. I, and again, like, all my Instagram or whatever social media I have, it, it has always just been like a training log. Like, oh, this is what I'm doing kind of so I can keep track of like how I got there. It was never really for like other people or mm-hmm. for people, you know. And it's just your story. Yeah, just like and, – and so then anyways, when I posted that in the next day, everyone's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's on this and that and that. And I'm like, what? Like, and I just – the f- feedback I got back from not only women but men saying mm-hmm. like, thank you. I am so self-conscious. I have such low self-esteem about my body. I was like – whoa like I never even thought of that you know a guy at our gym came up to me and was like man I've I've always been insecure taking my shirt off at a pool like my whole entire life I still won't do it to this day I'm like isn't it crazy like you wouldn't even think that of these people and Mm -hmm. Val and Beck all these people when they start sharing like how they're insecure I'm like 
what? Because mm-hmm. we talked about how we see other people and then how you perceive yourself. And it's mm-hmm. crazy. So, I, I, yeah, it was very eye-opening just hearing how many other people were like, I feel exactly the same way. And I was like, oh, man, cool. Isn't that so cool? Like when you share something like that where like you think it's going to go one way and then all of a sudden you realize, holy shit, people are actually thinking and going through a very similar journey. But you created the safe space for that to go public. You started that conversation in some ways. And I think that, like, round of applause. Oh, like, that, uh, ser- seriously, that's, that's super cool. What message would you like to share with people, you know, maybe going through that similar journey? Yeah, I'm like, I just went through it. I quarantine, I gained 20 pounds, and I'm 5'2", and 3. So, like, that's a lot. I My before and after is, like, night and day. And I just felt bad about myself. I felt like I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't stop eating late at night. I couldn't, you know, the choices, like I knew what I had to do. I knew what I had to like eat healthy to get back to what I look like, but I just couldn't, you know, I don't know. There was just a point where I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to like, I I don't know. I I just, I started working out. I I guess maybe I didn't think about it so much. I just started working out and Mm -hmm. then I started like, okay, I'm going to clean my diet here and there. Similar to basketball. You just started having fun. Yeah. 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 No, I was playing. I came back to the gym. We opened back up and I was like, Oh man, this is fun. And before I knew it, like, Whoa, like I jumped on the in body. I was like, Oh, I lost like 6% body fat. Oh my God. Now I'm, I'm down 18 pounds. Like I was like, this is crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I guess without the pressure of like for me, cause I'm not so like regimented. Yeah. Like I can't weigh myself every day. I can't input my food every single day. I'm like, I would rather just like, kind of like, Go with the flow. Like, how do I feel? Okay. Like, and, you yeah. know, that kind of Try stuff. Try to be and more, so. more intuitive than, yes. than rely on all the data tools that right, are out there. Right, right, right. So, so, yeah, before I knew that, that's kind of what happened. And, and so, but I, I, I understand. It doesn't make you feel like my self-esteem was gone, everything. And I felt like I couldn't get out of it. You know what I mean? But just, it's, it, I think the perfect thing is it's about consistency, not perfection. Mm-hmm. So just show up. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It sucks. Like, when you're first getting back into the gym, if you haven't been working out. But do it. Give the best you have. If you don't feel good that, good that day, like just do the best you can. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Ha- it doesn't have to be PRs all the time. That's what I'm realizing now. Like I want to stay healthy. I want to feel good. Think I think for people. that's great advice. Just the simplicity of show up or show or, or, up. or make it to your mat or get yeah. to get to your garage. Right. And you know, I, I think uh, Miranda and Julian from Street Parking popularized the something better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it is right. Like yeah. if you do something. Every single day, it builds momentum. Right. Momentum builds into crushing goals. Yeah. Crushing goals leads to enhanced confidence because you did the work. Right. Right. right and then, right. like, that bleeds into awesome relationships and so, so many other cool things. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think there's a lot of people that are, that are going through that. I think I'm one of them, right? Going through that, you know, quarantine where it's like you have this expectation to look a certain way, always maintain discipline, stay positive all the time. Yeah. Guess what? we're having our livelihood in the service industry stripped from right right underneath our feet. And we're trying to find ways to survive, provide value and do all the cool things. Yeah. But it's significantly different than what it was. So it's, it's adapting to a new routine, a new mindset. Yeah. And then, you know, simultaneously trying to share those tools with our surrounding communities. Right. To, to to keep the the ship still moving. And I think also like you being a coach, you having a pot, like, you have to be positive and like, I mean, these people come to you to look, they see you as that, you know what I mean? And yeah, like for the most part, I think I, I am a positive, but like that doesn't mean there's bad days for us. Like 
I don't care who you are, Kobe, mm-hmm. everyone has bad days and like things that, you know, bother them. So I, I feel like being real and authentic about it, that is the most important part because it makes them human. When you see Kobe, like, or anyone like that, it's like, okay, wow. You know what I mean? He gets it. Like, yeah. I'm like him. I, and that's for me, visualization and like seeing someone, you know, um, Natalie Nakase was this girl, a Japanese American girl that played at UCLA. And, and I saw her out there playing. And when I saw someone representation who looked like me out there in my mind, I knew I could do it. You know what I mean? So I think when people see whoever they love to follow or whatever, like, man, they're going through a hard time. They're real with their feelings. Okay, cool. It just gives them a little bit more, yeah. you know, like being and okay you, with themselves. You mentioned kind of being in it too. And I think, I think sharing bits and pieces of that story as you are comfortable in some subtle ways is kind of like th- – handing a rope into that hole being like hey i'm here to help pull you out yeah you're not alone we're here with you and like you know i i think sometimes we we get stuck in the mindset we get stuck in you know we we, we've already gone so far in this direction in order to go back in the positive direction we have to go so far and i i think having a friend or a compadre or somebody we can idolize or look up to makes it just a little bit easier. Yeah. And again, like this is why this whole, like for years, everyone's been like, Jamie, you need to start your own programming. And I'm like, again, didn't believe in myself. It was a couple things. I was like, I didn't believe in myself. I was like, why, why does anyone care what I'm doing? No one's going to care to do what I do or want to do what I'm doing. And, and, and it's oversaturated. There's so many different places and there's so many great coaches. Like, I don't need to be out there, you know? And so again, it never started of like, oh, I want all these people to do it. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like, oh, this is what I'm doing now. I'm doing like, I used to be a high level athlete. I want to just move and feel good, but I don't want to spend three hours in the gym all day. Cause I want to go play pickleball for four hours. <laughs> so like, this is what I'm doing, you know? And I want to like have a good balanced life. So like, you know, it was great. Like my sister and, and a great, you know, t- a couple of my friends are like, do it, you know? And, and again, I was like, no, 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 no. And I was like pushing it off January, February. Cause for me, I'm like, it has to be perfect. And then when the, that push of like, we're starting in two weeks in November, I'm like, what? <laughs> so literally <laughs> hired a camera crew, you know what I mean? To come out here and get a video and, and things like, you know, but so I think another important message for people, like if there's something you want to do and it's an idea, put it into action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, you know, because then literally the first week I was like, okay, here we go. So it's called the JAM method and it stands for Jamie's Athletic Movement Method or JAM, like short for Jamie or JAM JAM, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, again, I was like, okay, maybe we'll get 25 people. I'm praying to God I get 25 people. The first day we got almost 60 people. Wow. And like fast forward today, I was like, there's like 180 people. I'm like, That's and it's so been cool. two months, like less mm-hmm. than two months. I'm like, what like you know and so it it blows my mind and I'm like so and and for me like it makes me happy I get to connect with these people like but at the end of the day that's all I care about you know like getting these messages like thank you Jamie like I haven't moved I haven't felt good about myself I'm like just doing your workouts or you know the hour I'm like oh man great I I love the name I I love that you put that out there Um, I I got got to dive in and you know feel those links (laughs) on your Instagram and check out you know what you're putting out there and I think it's rad. Oh, thanks. You know, and also just there's so many metaphorical like pieces to jam. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, peanut butter and jam. <laughs> yeah, like we, you and I want to go in the gym and jam. Yeah. Like a slam dunk is a, a jam. jam. I know. Right? Like there's so many different like twists and turns there that yeah. can fit your mold in your story. And like yeah. I just love that you're doing it. I love oh, that you're thanks. you're providing options for people out there that you know aspire to be like you and want to be around you and your infect- infectious personality. I think it's rad. Like a, as you're transitioning and taking the leap into this entrepreneurial world, it's like, there's a starting point. 
Yeah. Right? That may lead into something else that right. leads into something totally. else, just like your basketball career. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, your ability to put yourself out there and just give your best effort, I mean, really fits the Invictus mindset mold of full effort is full victory. And I would like to say that all while I was training, Invictus has been, CJ and everyone in the Invictus family has always been so welcoming. You guys always let me come train with you guys to prepare for the games in 2016. And at Wadapalooza, I went with Reagan and Maddie Myers and mm-hmm. um, Karen. Oh, she, she, she's amazing. I was just CJ's chatting with mom. her yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. CJ's mom. We call her uh, Invictus team mom. And I'm like, Karen, I got to have you on. I want to interview you. The, oh. the, the world always talks about you. She's like, what am I going to talk about? I'm like, what aren't you going to talk about? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and maybe she thinks she's not doing, she's not doing anything special. Like I literally remember from Wadapalooza in Miami, like her making me, I'm not part of your guys's like team or anything, but like, because I was with you guys and like, Hey, you're part of our family here, Jamie, here's some snacks here. I'm like, yeah, goes such a long I way. I never knew what that was until I got got to Invictus and like her is ability the, to um, care for people is amazing what is it the pudding it's like a it's a special the, the, um, chia, is it a chia uh, no it's a mango sticky rice oh oh yeah Karen I love you I love you I need this recipe yeah the, the mangoes the mango sticky rice has become a popular one <laughs> as a like post-workout glycogen replenishment especially yes. if you just emptied the tank on a workout like oh yeah. not only does it taste good but dang, does it bring you back to life after, <laughs> after just getting the crap beat out of you on the competition floor. Yeah, so I just want to like thank CJ, all, all of you guys, anyone who is involved with Invictus. You guys are wonderful people and always have just, like for me always, like when I'm playing basketball or CrossFit, like at the end of the day, no one remembers like, I mean, unless you're finishing first, like what place you got, you know what I mean? They're always going to remember how you made them feel. And, and, and so for me, like Invictus is definitely oh, that. I'm so, so. happy we, we were able to kind of have that impact with you and, you know, our team is awesome. There's a reason why I've been there for six plus years and yeah. like just the people that we're surrounded by, like right. they're motivational, they're inspiring, but at the core, they're just good people. Good people. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, and, and so far all the high performers that we've interviewed, that's what they've been. And, and yeah. you're absolutely one of those people. Oh, thank you. As, as we conclude today's session, I do have a few little like <laughs> kind of rapid fire questions okay, for cool. you. Bring it okay. on. Here we go. Oh shoot. I'm nervous. <laughs> what does fitness mean to you? Now or before? <laughs> now. No. Okay. Fitness, um, I equate it to fun. I yeah. like do anything that makes you feel good. I'm I'm obviously on a CrossFit gym, but like I'm playing pickleball. Like if fitness is anything that makes you feel good and moving and, and keeping you healthy, so that's it's fun for me. I love that. Who are three people in your life that have really positively influenced you and your career tra- trajectory? Definitely my grandparents. I'll count them as one. My, my dad in his role as a pastor and in, in the church. And ooh, there's so there's so many, so many oh, people. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I I think I'm just oh man, I can't even. So, Jesus. So we'll, so we'll count the grandparents as two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's you're my there my you number one. There you go. If you if you had to pinpoint one specific. I guess the the world would label it as a failure. I, I know you're not, you know, you lean into those and they're just learning opportunities for yeah. you. Is there any one particular moment for you that, you know, stands out that has really helped shape the rest of your life? I, I would say um, probably not making the WNBA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think being this like figure in the Japanese American community and like playing in college and making it and breaking through and being one of the sole ones to be the first one to do or, you know, out of the community. Um, and then I didn't, I felt like a lot, a lot of people down, you know? And so, but at the end of the day, like that spun in my favor to this beautiful life that I have now. Yeah. So 
Isn't it crazy? Like when you're when you're in it, you can't see that. Yeah. Right. But then in hindsight, you're like, oh, now I understand why that happened. Yeah. Oh, totally. (laughs) If you could give one message to the world, what would what would that message be? It would be to be kind. You know what I mean? Like, again, people at the end of the day will remember like how you made people feel and what you did for other people. And whenever it is my time to go, I, I don't care if what I did with basketball or what, you know what I mean? I just hope people remember me as a good person. Absolutely. And your service to, to, to this community here and to the world is amazing. Oh, thank There's a you. reason why we wanted to come up and spend <laughs> some time with you. And, you know, I'd also like to highlight like your ability to unapologetically be yourself, to share vulnerability and continue in the pursuit of success despite, you know, perceived obstacles is absolutely an inspiration to me and an, an inspiration to the world. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just real quick. Like, Going through it, I'm I'm 35, you know, in a world my everyone's married, my sister, my brother, they all have kids, and I know the pressures of that, of like, you know, why, why, like, but I I know there's a plan and, and a reason, and a, you know what I mean, and so I'm just running with it, and you know, I know all the good will come if I just keep on staying keep on, on path. keeping yeah, on, keep on keeping on. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? I am on Instagram at Jamie Joyce 2. That's my middle name. Some people think it's my last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Joyce 2. I'm on Facebook. Not regularly a ton, but there's a Jamie Higgia CrossFit Athlete page. And then my jam method is on there. We have a private one if you join called Team Jammers. But yeah, that's kind of where I am and here at Torrance Training Lab. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and energy and allowing us to come up and spend some time with you. Thank you. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. Check out Jamie Joyce. She's got an incredible story. And also, don't forget, stay on the hunt for who you've not yet become.